welcome to CouncilCast, news bites and insights from the Council of Insurance Agents and Brokers. I'm Cheryl Matochik, Senior Vice President of Strategic Resources and Initiatives, and I'm, uh, it's a pleasure to have Nick Shalick of Ribbit Capital join me today for a quick update on a lot of the moves and bets they've been making uh, in the insurance technology uh, space. Um, their venture capital firm uh, based in the Valley. And uh, Nick, why don't you, uh, you know, we met back in 2016. Um, we had uh, Nick come out to one of the council's board of directors meetings when we were in San Francisco. And, um, you know, it would be great to get an update on, you know, the company and, and what you guys have been up to since uh, since we saw you last in 2016. That's great. Thanks, Cheryl. Thanks for uh, for having me and, and, and for making the time. Um, yeah, so our, our journey in insurance has been organic. We're, we're investors in fintech more broadly, so in things like lending and wealth management and um, and personal finance. We definitely had some views in, say, around the time we met or a little earlier in, in 2014, 2015, about what we wanted to invest in insurance. But it's been a good education the past couple of years figuring out where we think the, the biggest opportunities are in um in 2015, if you'd asked us, what do we want to do? We said, well, we want to find technology entrepreneurs who are trying to build new brands. And so mostly that was on the personal line side with a little bit of emphasis on small commercial. So we invested in companies like uh, Jetty or Root or Health IQ, which are all brands mm-hmm. focused on personal lines. Um, but we also invested in Next Insurance, which is a, a small business focused uh, MGA and, and moving to become a carrier now. If you fast forward to today, I think those companies have started to grow up uh, and actually build, you know, real businesses and and have customer bases and be dealing with, you know, questions around growth and profitability and and stuff that was, um, you know, really just nascent conversations a few years ago. And where our attention in terms of new investments has turned, I think, is is uh, in a couple directions. One, into uh, entrepreneurs who are building products that can be distributed through traditional channels. Uh, so we backed, uh, for instance, a company called Coalition, which is uh, a team of former NSA and CIA uh, guys who um, are great cybersecurity experts who are now are building a cyber insurance business. And they've built a product that we think Uniting Broker uh, would be crazy not to want to sell because it, it's really valuable to the customer. And then the second thing is um, we're seeing more software companies that are owning customer relationships and data who want to be in the insurance business, either as a you know, providing uh, a, a lead or, or actually doing more fulfillment. So that would be businesses like uh, Gusto, which is a payroll company that we back. Uh, and and we're, we're spending more time on that. No, that's great. Um, very interesting. Uh, the next insurance and Gusto, obviously, we've been watching very closely um, along with, uh, you know, a couple of the others, Policy Bazaar and, and Jetty. Any updates there that, that we should be aware of? Yeah, um, Policy Bazaar is an interest, interesting business because uh, just for background, Policy Bazaar is uh, the largest online insurance business in India. And they started as a um, as a comparison business, something akin to what you'd see in the UK with a money supermarket or a compare the market. And really over time, they've gotten kind of deeper and deeper into the value chain. Their carrier partners and reinsurance partners are looking to them to do more of the servicing and, and claims and um, and even the underwriting. So I, I think you just see them now, you know, but kind of becoming a, a brand that a lot of consumers in India are looking to to get insurance, to make it fast, to make it um, low cost and 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 flexible and customized. And um, Policy Bazaar is a great example of a company where the lines between broker and MGA and carrier are kind of blurring in order to focus on the customer experience. And then, of course, that's all happening in a very fast growing market uh, in India. 
And so you have a lot of consumers who have never bought insurance before, and this is the only thing they really know. Um, so I, I think it's in a lot. It's a sort of a portent of what we'll see in 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 the U.S. And that's happening across fintech, where what's you know what's being built in China or in India, it's actually a, a sort of a leapfrogging what we're doing in the U.S. because they don't have the legacy uh, channels and and systems. And so a company like Ant Financial, which is you know um, Alibaba's financial arm. Right. Um, kind of skyrockets to 150 billion dollar valuation in a short period of time because they, you know, figure out how to use modern software and, and mobile uh, channels to acquire hundreds of millions of customers in a way that y you would never think is possible in the U.S. market. Oh, it's helpful. I mean, I, the other thing I saw a couple weeks ago, I believe, um, Rivet Capital announced uh, a new fund. Um, can you just give us a sort of overview of? know where you are um, as a company and, and what, what that newest fund is oriented around? Sure. Um, we, we started in 2012 and since then we've raised uh, five funds. This is our fifth fund that we just raised. Um, we Because we're a very thematic firm, we, we, we really focus on financial technology globally and, and we try to find entrepreneurs who are great technologists who, who want to build new financial products. Um, the size of our funds, the pace is really driven by the bottom-up opportunity that we see. So there's not a lot of um, uh, there, there's not a lot that we're going to do different in the fifth fund than in the first fund. We're still looking for the same thing, which is we think there's 18 trillion dollars of of market cap that's at risk in the financial services industry globally. Um, over the next 10 or 20 years, as the world becomes more digital, we'd expect to see the same thing in finance that's happened in media or commerce or other spaces where you see a few billion dollars trade hands, and uh, some of the you know, recipients of, of that new that 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 market cap or some of the winners will be incumbents who get very serious about technology, but some also will be startups. And all we're trying to do are, is find the great entrepreneurs who can uh, who can capture some of that market value shift and and be you know own as much of their companies as we can. So that that's what we'll keep doing. There are some smaller things tactically, but um, thematically, it's it's still the same idea. How do you see some of these companies, uh, you know, trying to grow, you know, thread the needle between growing too fast but not being too slow and really trying to manage um, innovation and risk that come hand in hand? As you look and evaluate these companies, where are you seeing the more successful ones that you're making bets on? How are they approaching that? I think the the most successful companies that are startups are always going a little faster than they should. And the, the reason I, I say that is because in financial services, there are so many things in any industry, but especially in financial services and insurance, there are so many things that favor the incumbents. Uh, you have deep regulatory relationships, you have big balance sheets, you have uh, brands that customer know, you know, billion dollars a year in, in marketing, um, you know, for, for any given large brand, just uh, imprinting that brand in, in you know hundreds of millions of customers' brains. So if you're a startup and you want to compete with that, you really have two things, um, uh, or or maybe three things that that you can use to compete. One is uh, you're starting from scratch, so you don't have any legacy systems, legacy channels, um, legacy technology. Two, you can move faster, you can take more risk, you can iterate faster, and that's you know that's really the, the currency of a lot of our companies. And the third thing is you can you have access to a different kind of uh, talent that's excited about being part of a, a technology company. So um, a lot of our, you know, we try to back technology entrepreneurs who understand risk and are focused on um, uh, building regulated companies and what that takes. It's not the same as building a social network, 
but we would never back an entrepreneur who we thought moved slowly and deliberately. It's the wrong DNA to try to compete in a very um, competitive world where you have no, you have none of the advantages of the incumbents. Right. I could, I figured I'd hazard a guess that that would be your answer, but uh, no, that's, that's helpful insight from you. And, and definitely, you know, our core sort of, you know, audience, obviously, as you know, is the leading commercial insurance uh, brokers in the country. And, you know, what would you, they find this perspective very interesting because they're not dealing directly, typically with venture capital funds or firms every day. You know, what would your advice be to those executives or leadership of those firms as far as how to stay on top of the action, the market dynamics, the keeping aware and being exposed to new market entrants, as well as the existing ecosystem really changing, technologies breaking down those borders and making it a very porous sort of atmosphere between traditional sort of players in that insurance transaction. What would your sort of advice be around that? Before giving my advice, I, I guess yeah, you probably already know it from this conversation, but it's worth starting my per, my per, where my perspective comes from, which is this is really an existential threat. It's uh, uh, this will dramatically change the industry in the next ten or twenty years, and um, you know I, I see the insurance value chain collapsing over time. You're really going to have who owns the relationship and who owns the risk, and there's not going to be that much in between. So if you take that perspective, um, it might lead you to to pursue some more dramatic. Uh, conclusions. I, I think there are three things I, I would recommend. One is uh, before you jump to too many conclusions, I would look at other industries. Um, you, you look in uh, a company like we work in commercial real estate, which is a $40 billion business, or Square, which is now almost a $40 billion business in payments. Those are two companies where probably over the last six years, I've had dozens of conversations with executives from those industries telling me those companies are going to go out of business. And maybe they will, you know, it, it will take time, but my bet is those become transformative companies. And um, they had to do that by by breaking the rules. So study other industries just to um, increase your awareness of how much things can change and how players with different perspectives can come in the industry. The second is, uh, I always recommend find one smaller company um, to partner with, somebody who moves much faster and uh, put pressure on your organization to move at that company's pace. So f find a startup that you wouldn't normally partner with and partner with them because it'll make you more aware of your own, uh, the bottlenecks in your own organization and um, help you help you and your team get insight into how you can iterate faster, which, you know, again, I think is is where bigger companies can fall down or, or getting stuck with old assumptions. And the third and probably the biggest one um, is find some way to personally, your executives, your your CEO or or your executive team to engage deeply with a, a, a couple of startups. It doesn't even have to be in the insurance industry, but if it's in insurance or financial services, that's great. A great way to do that is have the CEO of your company go on the board of um, you know, a, a small, fast-moving, venture-backed company, um, because I think that's where you can get real insight. You know, the company can get a lot of value from your perspective, uh, what you know about the industry and relationships, but you can also get a lot of value from seeing how they think about their priorities, how they hire how they build technology. Yeah, those are excellent two points. And certainly we've echoed that in our messaging um, with member companies, you know, that historically have, haven't had a lot of interaction with startups of those being two very concrete steps that would really help um, also with the biggest challenge they have, which is sort of creating and implementing that business process implementation piece and trying to integrate it into what they're doing um, uh, with so many things going on, right? As you're driving down that highway, there's a million exits of different things coming at you and trying to, 
to make sure that you're you're sort of staying ahead of the curve with this stuff, but also tending to the core business. So those are great, great comments. I think the important thing is it's not something to monitor. If you sit from the outside or you set up a venture group or a strategy group to watch it, uh, that's actually, um, you don't get the insight that you need. You have to be in the arena and engage, whether it's through partnerships or being on a board or um, investing in a meaningful way. And it has to go all the way to the top um, because the change to, you know, to, to transform a company uh, that's been doing business one way very successfully for a long time into a business that's very successful in a new world, you really have to see, uh, you have to see it at, at its foundational level. That's why, you know, a company in the financial services space that I think is doing this well is Goldman Sachs. And if you look at half of their job openings globally, they're for engineering. Um, and that's, you know, thousands of jobs. I, I think if you're not taking it that seriously, you're probably falling behind and, and you won't see it tomorrow or next year. It'll hit you suddenly in 10 years. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you, Nick. I mean, I think I think we'll leave it there for today. Um, I have one last question. Uh, just I'd be interested. You see so many different companies. You're also we're all consumers. What's like the coolest company that you sort of has blown the doors off in the last you know couple months that you've seen either in the space or outside the space? It can be in any sort of industry. I know I'm a broken record uh, on on coalition, but this is now our biggest bet uh, by dollars in in the insurance space. And I just think it's um it's great to see a team that didn't start wanting to build an insurance company, but really started from saying how do we um, how do we solve the cyber security problem that's this growing massive risk and threat to people all over the world, and how do we get people to how do we get small businesses, medium sized businesses, to be better at managing um, their their cyber risk and uh, coalition then sort of worked their way towards saying, hey, insurance is an important part of the solution. But just the, the quality of the technology and service that they bring is really something different, something you, you don't see in financial services or insurance all the time. Well, excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, we will certainly be keeping uh, all of our members posted um, in, on these developments and, and, the, and the companies that you guys are invested in. And uh, uh, really just love the opportunity to sit down with you today, Nick. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.